a long time ago, I used to listen to Unshackled on the radio at night. You know that program? Yeah. I love that program. I, I just hadn't tuned into it here lately. I, I need to tune in again. But it would give testimonies to people. They would give their own testimonies. It's a radio play. It's old-fashioned, whatever. But, you know, they'll tell the story of their life and how they came to know Christ and, and who somebody had witnessed to them or something that took place. And you just never know where you're going to reach somebody. You just never know how you're going to touch them. If your life's been changed by Jesus Christ, wouldn't you like to see that happen to somebody else? Amen. But uh, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. And this letter that Paul wrote to the Thess- church at Thessalonica, I kind of like to contrast it with the one that he wrote to the Corinthians. Because... Uh, The one that he wrote to the Corinthians, he starts out, he says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. And he spends the rest of of the letters to the Corinthians straightening things out and straightening them out on different things. He He's straightening them out on uh, where the actual power comes from. Does it come from man? Does it come from God? And he, he points out to them that it comes from God. But here at the cha- third, I get my tongue to catch up. Here at the church at Thessalonica, he's addressing them in a whole different way. I'm in Timothy. But let's... Uh, So we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10 here. He says, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he tells them, he says, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of of God our Father. Now see, it's a whole different letter than addressing all the problems within the church, but here he's talking about the testimony that they have. And I just want to call this one this morning the marks of maturity and just kind of take a look at this passage here and see in our own lives, you get saved, and for a lot of people, salvation is the end game. I don't have to go to hell. I get to go to heaven. But in your own walk, there should be a growth pattern. There should be some marks of maturity in your life. And I just want to look at the Thessalonians here this morning a little bit. And uh, number one, I want to look at their power, where the power came from. So many people, uh, in my experience, trying different things. You know, I went through my midlife crisis and I did sales. And one of, the, one of the jobs that I tried was selling water softeners. And you know what a water softener does. It takes the hardness out of the water. It takes calcium out. And uh, the, the man who had the franchise, I won't say the company, I Rainsoft, but the man who had the franchise, he had sold water softeners like crazy over in Alabama. And somehow or another, he got them to give him a franchise. He didn't look around or anything, but he found 
that spot near where I was, and I just hired on because I was going to install them because I'd done the piping and stuff. But he talked me into doing sales, and he said, you, you do this, and he gave me the script. He said, if you just memorize this script, and it'll, you'll sell them, man. You'll sell them. All you got to do is memorize this script and tell them. And uh, here's the problem. When I did the water test over in this one town, I barely got a drop in. You know, you count the number of drops to see how hard the water is. I barely got a drop in before it turned blue. I was selling ice to Eskimos. And the point of it is, there are some people that can sell ice to Eskimos. There are some people that can just convince you of something. They can talk to you about something, and they can tell you all the details. But that, when it comes to the gospel, if you win somebody over like that, you've just won them over. You can go to heaven today. You can know today that you're going to heaven, and I've said that to somebody before. But they won't know why they're going to heaven. Or they won't even know why they need salvation. And it's good. You want to memorize verses. You want to be able to witness to somebody. And you want to be able to tell them things. But, but here's the thing. It's, this isn't some script you memorize. Because when you're dealing with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're dealing with something supernatural. You're dealing with something that comes from God. And so... There's no sales meeting that you go to where you get handed out trophies. Oh, you led this many to Christ, and you did, you did this, and you, here, here's your belt with all the notches in it. But there's something else in the power of the gospel that changes people's lives. Because it's not you. It's not what you say. It's not the script you memorize. But look what he says here. In... Uh, it's the, there's a source of the power, and it's in the gospel given. Look at, uh, in a, you don't have to look, but in 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, Paul was explaining to the Corinthians, he said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. He said, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That being said, let's open up this sermon with a word of prayer, shall we? Amen. So when you look here in verse... uh, Look in 1 Thessalonians here. He says, knowing, your, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Verse number 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. So when they came to the th- church at Thessalonica, they preached the gospel with the power of God, with the power of Christ on them. And that's the source. It said, with power with the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance. And then the other part of their source comes from prayers. How do you access that power? You say, well, I know these answers. Well, sometimes just point it out here. He says he's praying for them when he starts out. He said, Paul and Silvanus, Timotheus, unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father. Praying for grace and peace for them. 
When you lead someone to Christ, and this is a point that I wanted to make out of this, when you lead someone to Christ or when you're, you, you want to keep praying for them, I've seen a lot of times where you just get out there, you witness, you lead someone to Christ, and then you go on with your own life and let them go. At least that's been my temptation sometimes. But there's a, there's a girl out in Georgia I still pray for. Her name was Chastity. You know, I was, I was uh, street preaching the one time. I've told you this story, but uh, out there street preaching, and I'm out there with the guys, and it was my first time, scared to death. I'd still be scared to death. But we passed by this group of teenagers at the, at the, uh, in the grocery store parking lot on a Saturday night. We passed by them a couple of times. I couldn't stand anymore. I said, can I get out? Can I get out? Because we're driving by shouting Bible verses. This is Georgia now. I don't know how it'd be out here. It might be gunshots coming our way. Well, we're, we're, I said, can I get out? They said, well, if that's what you want. I got out. I go walk over, and I'm talking to the teenagers. And uh, one of them was saying, well, I go to church. And I said, and I was a little bolder back when I was younger. I said, well, that's a good thing. That's good that you go to church. What about your friend here? You going to let him slide, to, slide into hell on a roller coaster? I was a little bolder then. And... Uh, but, but I really believe God was leading me there. I turn around, I'm talking, I'm talking to these teenagers and witnessing to them about Jesus Christ. I turn around, the truck's gone, I'm by myself. And all of a sudden, I realize I'm surrounded by teenagers. And I said, well, I guess I'm street preaching now. But there was one girl there, and I remember as I'm talking to them, and it's like the Holy Spirit just pointed her out. And I look over at her, and I just see her eyes. And I've shown y'all that look before when we were doing the uh, lessons on witnessing. And uh, I just see her eyes. And I look at her. I said, would you like to be saved? And you'd have thought a, TV, a hand reached out of her TV. <laughs> what? You know. And uh, I got to lead her to the Lord. And the, the funny thing was, you know, she didn't pray out loud. She just bowed her head. But, man, you could see a new person pop up when she opened her eyes. And uh, I, I tell you what, I'm praying for that again. I'm praying to see some souls get saved. That's why I went up to the jail uh, Monday. I'll be going again tomorrow night. Y'all pray for me. I didn't get to go in last week. I get to go in this week. But uh, I want to see some folks get saved. I'd like to see our baptistry going. But more than that, I'd like to see some souls getting saved. And that girl's name was Chastity. I heard about her later that she was still going to church. When we were driving away, you know, and uh, when I was done witnessing to her, that was the part. When I was done leading her to Christ, and she had prayed, and she popped her head up, I looked over, and the truck was there waiting on me. And it's like I had done what I came to do. God just works like that. You ever had it where God just opens the doors when, you, when you're just doing what you're supposed to do? So there's prayers, praying for those that are saved. And, and Paul was praying for the church at Thessalonica. And so the gospel, the power, the source was from the power of the Holy Spirit in the witnessing and from the prayers of Paul and the other saints. They weren't just led to the Lord and forgotten about. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. We ought to be praying for salvation. You know, it's one thing to pray for world peace. It's like, God doesn't answer prayers. Well, you're praying for world peace. You think that's going to happen in Satan's world? 
But you pray to see somebody saved. You, you pray to see somebody come to Christ. That's in God's will. That's exactly what he wants. And uh, there are people out there searching for him. There are some you'll have to shake the dust off your seat, feet and move on. But then there's others. You know, there's Corinthians and then there's Thessalonica. Now let's look a little further because this one's going to go kind of easy on you today. So not only was there their power, the source of their power, but there was their production. When we look at marks of maturity, there ought to be some production in your life. And you say, what do you mean? Oh, I mean, you ought to be at the church. You ought to be painting it. You ought to be sweeping the floor. You ought to be doing all this and that. No, no, no. There's the fruits of the Holy Spirit that you get. Look at uh, verse number three. He said, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's the work of faith. There's the work for Jesus Christ. Going out in faith and trust in Jesus to lead you. But then most of all, and here's the catch, because there's a lot of people that work for the church, right? But they get worn down and get beat up. I know I hammer on that because I've just been there. I've just I've been at Calvary Baptist Church where it was a labor of love, where I went out because I wanted to see people saved. When I was sitting there listening to the sermon and uh, Brother Ralph Stokes, I believe that was his name, he came and visited and he he presented his ministry, which was going to the uh, youth detention centers. He presented and the Lord speaks to your heart. And, uh, I tell you, that was something I was reminded of this week, speaking to that old preacher, the, the chaplain Dowdy over at the jail. He talked to me probably for an hour telling me all about his ministry. Man, I tell you what, one thing he was saying was talking about listening to the Lord. We get so caught up in life, our prayers become so functional. Lord, thank you for this food. Please bless it and nourish my body. Just can't wait. Lord, uh, uh, we just pray that you help us with finance. Lord, help us with this check. Help us with this. Help us with that. Do you you ever stop and just listen? Lord, what are you trying to tell me here? You got that Bible open, you know, and it's like, well, I got to get through this lesson, or I got to get through this, or I got to get through that. You ever just get the Bible open and just sit there and read and just dwell in it? I really like to do it over in Galatians and Romans and things like that, but that's just a warm-up. But when God starts speaking to your heart, and you can listen, and he's saying, I'd like you to say a word to those people over there. And I'm not trying to get crazy on you. I'm just saying, sometimes God will move on your heart, and he'll say, I'd like you, and, and it'll be clear to you. You say, well, how do you know that? I don't know. I just know there's been times in my life when, when it's like, you know, you, you've been talking all of this about witnessing. You've been, you've been going to these meetings. We were going to revival all week long. I would, take, I would take off from work to go to it. I wish we could have one here. But it was a group of churches out there in Georgia, and you'd go to the meeting. Man, they'd had the big preachers and everything. But we were excited to go. We would, I'd take the week off. I could do that with my job. And we would go up there. And I'll tell you what, being up there a week, and then, then we're driving down the road there on 16. You say you're building yourself up, Brother Keith. No, I'm shaming myself. This is all in the past. We're going down the road, and it's like there's somebody broke down on the side of the road, and it's like, well, Keith, what about them? 
well, we've already passed them. Uh, I don't know if there's somebody else, maybe. But, I mean, it's kind of hard to turn around on this two-lane road and there's somebody up ahead and it's like, oh, I better pull over. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just telling you, sometimes the Lord will speak to you if you listen. If you don't just pray and ask for things, but if you, if you listen for the Lord, how does it happen? I don't know. Sometimes it'll be in a verse of Scripture and He'll speak to your heart right there where you need it. But it's when you listen for the Lord, when you're doing what the Lord wants you to do, you're not being coerced into it. You're not being, I always, I I think in some of the churches that get, you know, they want to get people in, and and we do. We want to get people in, right? And one of the ways you keep them is you, you get them in a ministry. You get them doing something. I saw people get put into the ministry or put put into doing something for the church, and then all of a sudden they're standing there by themselves, and it's like, well, wait a minute, they just got saved a few weeks ago. Would you would you take your my granddaughter was just born. We wouldn't take her and put her out standing on the corner with a lemonade stand, right? Right at this point. You gotta help people grow. I think in some of those churches, and I think of the galleys. It's like, we got a seat for you here. We're just going to chain you up. You can row. It looks real pretty on the outside. Everybody's pulling, but nobody wants to be there. I'm talking about a labor of love. You say, where are you going with all this? I'm talking about a labor of love, serving the Lord because you want to. There's force. There's many ways to get a man motivated. There's forced labor. A man is forced to work. There's a sense of duty. A man feels obligated to work or woman. And there's the need to meet necessities. Oh, mother necessity. Man has a need that has to be met. You don't, you don't work, you don't eat. And then there's the wish to gain more. A man works to build up well. But when a man accepts Christ, his motive for working changes. He now serves and works for Christ. His faith in the new world Christ is creating stirs him to work for Christ. His love for Christ and for others stirs him to work in order to share the gospel with the world. His hope in the return of Christ is to set up his kingdom and cause him to labor patiently. I, I tell you, seeing the video about it, it helps to see where those shoe boxes are going and what they're doing. You saw Franklin, I think it was Franklin Graham in that one church that had been blown up and burned out. And there on the floor, they had been interrupted, but there on the floor was that shoe box. And God was there with that shoebox, putting it there, so some child that needed that could find it. And that's the way He works. Impatience of hope. Romans eight twenty four says, "For we are saved by hope. A hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? We, we hope for eternity. We hope for salvation. But it's not a uh, not salvation. Excuse me. I'm rattling on." We have a hope for eternal life. How do you know it's there? Only because God's word tells us and because we trust in Jesus Christ. If we could see the end, it wouldn't be a hope. It wouldn't be a faith. He says here, he says, uh, did I turn the page? For we are saved by hope. The hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for so we, we hope for the rapture based on God's word and things like that. But we trust, we put our faith in Jesus Christ and in his word. 
And then last, I want to look at their presentation. Look at this. Uh, Start at verse number five. He said, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake, and you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad, so that we need not speak anything. For they themselves show us, show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned from God to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Now let's look at that. Number one, their, their presentation, they were examples. But in order to be an example, they first followed an example. He says, he says so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia, for from you sounded out. But first, he said, looking over in verse number five, he says, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And they, they were examples. They followed examples. They followed other examples. You don't know what you don't know. I've learned that. I've gotten old enough to learn that. You don't know what you don't know. I've gone into things and thought, well, you know, I kind of understand what I don't know, and I can figure it out. But, you know, there's some things that you just really don't know what they are, and then you find out the hard way that you just really had no idea. Do you all follow that? Is that too confusing? There it is. It came out one time. So... It's when you follow more mature Christians that you begin to learn things about your own walk with the Lord. That's why we have church. That's why we gather together. It's not, it's not so that we have a club or a place to say, well, that's my church on Sunday. We gather together to learn God's word, to, to mature in Christ. And we should be examples to those that come behind us as much as we follow examples. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, 16, he says, Wherefore I beseech you, be followers of me. And then later, he's pointing out, he said, Be ye followers of me. This is over in 1 Corinthians 11, 1. He said, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. It's not just following anybody. Because you could be, you ever gone down the road? I remember the fireworks in Texas City, how much traffic there was, you know. And all you could do is get in line and follow people out. And it's like, well, I hope they're going to the same place we are because we're kind of stuck in this line. But you want to find people to follow that are following Jesus Christ, that have Christ in their life, not just saved, but they're walking with Christ. They're growing and they're maturing. And he says, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake over in verse 15. But not only that, they became examples. It's not just a matter of following someone else. It's living a life that others are able to follow and learn from. Uh, as I read some of these older books, uh, Moody and Spurgeon, and I read some of those older testimonies, and I'm talking going back to the 1800s. You read the Brethren back in the 1700s. You read uh, John Wesley's story, uh, Brant. David Brainerd, who 
witness to the Indians. He, he lived a short life, but he witnessed to the Indians here in the late 1700s and uh, basically spent himself to be a witness and a testimony out there. But you see those older Christians that gave their lives to what God wanted them to do. I learned from Harlan Popov, who spent time in the Polish prison and, you know, in the communist camps. And the years that he spent in the communist camps and how they, they treasured the word of God, how the, the word that had been memorized, how when they were in the camp, one would remember a verse and another would remember another verse. How it was so precious when he got a piece of the Bible <laughs> and how he got that Bible. It was because a guard was disrespecting the Bible and he had to clean the bathroom. You know, he was assigned to clean the bathroom. And then because that guard so disrespected the Bible, he was able to clean off those pages and he treasured God's word so much. And I read something like that. and It's like I would hate to have to live through that. But you see from his example how he lived through that and maintained his faith in Christ, how he maintained his walk, learning from mature Christians. It's not just those around you, but it's gathering information from other sources. But they didn't just learn, they became examples. And they were witnesses in their life. So look here, he says, verse number eight. It's verse number seven, so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. And verse number eight, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord. They were witnesses in word. And it was the word given They gave out the word of God, and it was a word received, the word that they received. He said, uh, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. Paul goes there, and he's like, well, I'm going to give the gospel. I remember, was it Brother David told me this story? Brother David Drake. He told the story of uh, an older, I don't remember exactly where it came from, told the story of uh, going and witnessing, telling the man about Jesus Christ over in a foreign country. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I know Jesus Christ. And he's like, oh, really? And as he began to ask, it all went back to this one preacher. They had gone out there and he, had, he thought that preacher had passed away, I believe or had come back to America thinking that his ministry had failed. You remember that, Miss Rachel? I think we all heard that story together. That his ministry had failed because he didn't see the fruits of his labor. He didn't see people coming to Jesus Christ. And there was a man that, if, if I remember right, that wouldn't listen, that, that, that uh, didn't get saved. But it was after that preacher had left that that man began reading God's word and he got saved and he began to grow. Paul gets there and somebody else has already been there before him is what he's saying. He's saying, because you've already been a witness and you've already been a testimony here. We don't even need to say anything to people. They're already saved. And uh, he's talking about their testimony here. He says, for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how you turn from God, turn to God from, serve, from idols to serve the living and true God. You know, we all have a past. We all have things that we have done, but that's before Christ. And Paul's saying, 
through your example, when you put away those idols and they saw how your life changed, it had an impact on them. So through their witnesses, through the word received, through the word given, and through their work, James one twenty two says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So it was through their speech and through their actions, through their giving out the gospel and through how they represented the gospel. So I told you I was going to go easy on you today. But the question is, it's a little harder. And I've got just a couple of them for you just to think about. Do you just pray? Are you listening? Are you asking God to show you what to do next? Are you listening to what he has to say? Anybody has ever talked to somebody and they talk a lot? <laughs> it's like a, you can't get through to them. There's been many a time I've started to have a conversation. I wanted to tell them something really important, but they, they just talked the whole time. I got a boss like that. I can't get it out to him. It's like, look, I need to let you know about this. I got to stop him. You imagine how that is for the Lord? Oh, Lord, I just pray that you would just, just take care of this and Lord take care of that. And, this. and the Lord's up there. Could you? I need. I. Okay, son. Let me go talk to the other fellow. Are you listening to the Lord?